Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And I'm Nathan Drolet. And together we form George Foreman. Yeah. I was going to say Joe Frazier, but George Foreman just sounded better after we form George Foreman. Is it because right behind me is a grill and you were looking at a grill when you said that? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Maybe George has entered my psyche to that level. Anytime I see a grill, even though it's a vintage Weber, I think of George Schwarman. <laughs> so we're sitting here tonight in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, wrapping up our workshop tour. And my daughter is on a date inside the house. So we're sitting out here at the picnic table <laughs> recording a podcast getting eaten alive by mosquitoes getting eaten alive by mosquitoes however she just brought us ice cream so it's all cool which works out and we're multiple beers deep so uh this could become a little belligerent but uh nate came up with a a serious topic good Mm. topic um and the topic for today is the top three ways we've invested in ourselves and that can be monetarily, it can be emotionally, it can be... With time. With time. Um, however you've invested. That's, that's the question here. So I started off the last one. Oh, God. So... <laughs> All right. So you, it's See your this turn. Is going? Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw up a bit of a softball answer here. But... This was something that to me initially, it seemed like a no brainer, but it paid off massively. And that was taking up an internship at a strength and conditioning facility. Ah, with Paul. Yes. I was working a ton at the time, washing windows. Totally not a softball answer, dude. Yeah. Um, Well, I guess to me at the time, it made a bunch of sense. So I had talked on the last podcast about how I was listening to a bunch of podcasts And every strength coach, you know, when they were asked, hey, if you could recommend anything to someone who is new to this game, what would it be? And they all said, hire a coach, like have someone else run you through that learning curve so that you don't have to. I mean, this is something I I think about with climbing, man, if I knew what I know now with climbing. um, Yeah, it it would be so easy to get to where I am now, except for not in not with like whole string of injuries that I had along the way and all these different things. So the idea of hiring a coach, I was like, that's perfect. So I wanted to understand lifting. So I ended up running into Paul at a TBA one day and I knew he was a strength coach, but didn't know a ton about it. So we talked back and forth. I was like, cool. And so we started working together and then he offered me an internship position. This uh, was right around the same time that, Paul and I were starting on the kettlebells for climbers thing, right? I think it was a little somewhere right around close there. Close to. It was a little prior to that, I believe. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, he offered me the position. I was working a lot doing what I was doing already, but I mean, to me, it was an opportunity to keep learning. So I was like, oh, of course, like this is something I was really passionate about. And so it made sense, but I didn't realize just how much of a door that would open and how much that would lead me down the road. So I'd say, even though it felt like an obvious investment at the time, it's been one of the biggest payoffs for me. Yeah, I think sometimes those things aren't super obvious, you know, like it seemed like, you know, a good thing for you to be doing to, you know, further your training ideas. But ultimately it's led to this, you know, there's a possibility that now this is your, you know, eventually this could be your career. Yeah. And I think that's that's pretty cool that you just sort of stumbled upon that just by following what you thought you wanted to do. I think that's pretty cool. And you can't you can't really ask for a better dude to hook up with. Oh no, not at all. Like I, I was super fortunate that it all kind of fell into place. All right. So my first way that I've invested in myself in my top three is I made climbing and training a priority and this is a big pet peeve of mine now um I don't know that it was a that it was a conscious effort when I first did it so I let it slack off and I eventually quit climbing or when I, when I was first climbing, I climbed a ton all the time. I loved it. And then I eventually quit. So I don't think it was a conscious effort that it was a priority for me. Um, but <clears throat> ultimately, I came back to climbing because you know, a man that I really admired, uh, John Bernal, who was the original author for the Red River Guidebooks, and you know he was kind of an old school Red River guy that I, I looked up to, he made a comment on a public forum that, you know, Chris is not an overachiever, he's an underachiever, and he does just enough to get noticed, and then he bails. And I read that, and it stung. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> because it was true, and, and I had done that in so many different pursuits. I'd done it in, you know, in breakdancing, I'd done it in rapping, I'd done it in skateboarding. I'd done it in so many things where I did just enough for people to take notice and then I would move on to something else. Hmm. So when John passed away, I decided the way I needed to honor him and to respect myself was to give whatever I could give to climbing and, and becoming better at climbing. So what I did is I made it a priority. You know, I said, instead of maybe I'll go climbing Tuesdays and Thursdays and then on the weekends, if, if nothing else better comes up, instead I said, I'm going climbing Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, these days on the weekends, regardless of what else comes up. And, and I lost girlfriends because of that. You know, I, I distinctly remember dating a girl who called me and said, you know, do you want to hang out tonight? And I was like, no, it's Tuesday. And she was like, well, you can skip one night. 
and I was just like, click. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, Not for anaerobic capacity, I can't. <laughs> but I had expressed to her that these were my goals. These were my dreams. This is what I really wanted to do. And she didn't respect those at all. Um, and the woman I'm with now, Annalisa, I was very upfront with her in the beginning. Like, I have, I have these goals. These are the days I go to the gym. These are the days I'm with my daughter. Those days are not negotiable. If you're moving to Cincinnati, I will spend as much time with you as I can, but those times are not negotiable. And she respected that. Mm. And because of that, you know, I, I've softened my stance a little bit, and she started climbing. So, <clears throat> so it definitely worked out that I stuck to my guns there and really made a priority out of climbing and progressing my climbing. And, you know, I, I just don't think that's the natural go-to for people. I, I hear people all the time say, oh, well, I was going to go, but I don't have time tonight. And I'm like, whatever it was that came up, that's the thing you shouldn't have time for. Like, it just came up last minute. So unless it's an emergency, unless it's your child or your parents or you know, something that you care massively about. If it's just, you know, my friends are going bowling, then, you know, maybe you should stick to what you, what you set out to do. So that's it for me. All right. So my number two is, and this is where I start uh, going a little bit away from training, was actually... This is a two-part answer. Wait, you're going away from training. Yeah, that's right. Is there something else <laughs> other than training? Did you not just hear me? <laughs> I said, pick your priorities. Oh, and by the way, let me pick your priorities for you. They're training. Training. Training is your top priority, and second priority is training. Yes. Um, <laughs> so it was actually buying a Kindle and then later getting a sp- putting myself through a speed reading course. Um. And this sounds ridiculous to most people. I'm not even sure what to say about that. No, exactly. So I was horrified of reading for the longest time. I had a terrible vocabulary uh, through all of school, middle school, high school, college. I was always in like higher level classes, except for English. I was in the most remedial English possible. Like I didn't Mm. have to read books in high school. That's because you were from Texas. No, we had. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. No shade thrown at Texas. Yeah, we just read the Texas Constitution all the time. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. And uh, all the pretty horses. (laughs) Um, Now you're throwing shade at Texas. I love all the pretty horses. My favorite Cormac McCarthy book. Um, Back to where we were. So... After I graduated college, I had probably only read maybe three books outside of what was required for school at that time on my own. Like wow. I hated reading. They were all written by Dr. Seuss. Uh, yeah. What was it? <laughs> what were we talking about the other day? Cat in the Hat? How there's only 50 individual words yeah. in Cat in the Hat? Yeah. That's pretty impressive. It's impressive. So I only had to know 50 words. <laughs> Sorry, I keep derailing you. I'm oh, going to let you talk now. Okay. So I'd probably only read maybe three or four books on my own before graduating college. I hated reading. I was super slow, terrible vocabulary, and the fuck if I was going to use a dictionary to figure out what words what words meant. And 
right after college, I ended up getting a Kindle, which you can just press down on the word and it gives word. you the definition. Yeah, you just showed me that. That's cool. It's amazing. Yeah. And so immediately my vocabulary just exploded and suddenly I like reading a lot, but I was a really slow reader. So I bought a book on speed reading and immediately, I don't know, quadrupled my speed of being able to read and comprehension. So now I can actually remember things from books much better than ever before. Hmm. So since then, I mean, I've, I don't know, gone through over a hundred plus books, which I mean, for some people, that's not many, but for me, it's been awesome. Like I actually enjoy reading. I've learned so much more. And it's funny because I mean, both combined, you know, a Kindle is maybe, maybe 80 bucks. Like the book for the speed reading was maybe like $13 and six weeks of 30 minutes a day. And since then, like I've learned a monstrous amount. And it's something that to me, that was a force more multiplier. Like I will always keep, I will continue to reap the benefits of that forever. Like I will mm. always be able to read faster. I'll always have a larger vocabulary. I'll keep learning forever. Like as long as I'm alive, like that's awesome. So to me, that was, that's been one of the most beneficial things for me. Cool. Do you, when do you apply the speed reading? Like, do you read everything in that quadrupled speed? Pretty much. You will, it's, it's interesting too, because I think about this with speed climbing. Because, uh, so for instance, the way you learn how to type fast. Yeah. See, it's funny. I, I, I thought about it as far as eating. Like speed eating. I like to eat really fast. I'm really good at that too. <laughs> but there are times when I really like to enjoy what I'm eating. Like the ice cream we just ate. Even though I ate it really fast, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, so I'm just curious, do you do you ever read at a normal pace anymore? Well that's just so here's the thing. And or is, is that your normal pace? It's become my normal pace. Ah. Because you practice at a much faster pace. So for instance, I'll practice when I was practicing, I would practice it, let's say, twelve reading 1,200 words a minute, which is beyond what I could read. So when I pulled it back to, let's say, 500 words per minute, it felt like just I was reading on the beach and it's the most casual thing possible. Oh, right. So <clears throat> it is pretty cool. There's a lot of different tips for comprehension and things like that to help you be able to tie things together. And for me, it was awesome. Like, it's so much more enjoyable. And I've... Yeah, I mean, I can't say enough. Like, I hated books so much. And now it's, I don't know, it's crazy that I went so long without them. Hmm, that's pretty cool. I really, I used to really love reading, and maybe I should look into your speed reading ideas because I just feel like I don't have time mm -hmm. anymore to read. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, uh, number two, numero dos um, for me is, and I'm sticking with the climbing and training theme here. Good for you. <laughs> I'm not. You sort of are because you you read a lot of books that apply to climbing and training. Good so time. I decided that rest and recovery is training. Ooh, that's a good one. I should and have thought of that. I know you should have, but you didn't. Hmm. Um, yeah, I just, you know, it, it never occurred to me a long time ago. And and it took a lot of effort, really, to convince myself that resting and, and doing any type of recovery activity, you know, be it 
self-myofascial release or getting a massage or you know light recovery climbing or or whatever it might be maybe some jogging uh or eating ice cream yeah um is part of training and and i think that was huge uh you know a big light bulb went off and my since then my my climbing and my training and my life in general has been drastically improved Hmm. you know yeah i definitely i fully second that when i started prioritizing sleeping and amazingly hydration for me, that's hydration's been big. Yeah, such a huge Sleeping factor. I have in my no climbing. comment on. Yeah, I can sleep like a champ. Yeah, I but, sleep uh, like a loser. Yeah, <laughs> completely like a loser. <laughs> but it's something I know I need to get better at because it's part of rest and recovery, and it's part of performance. You know, it's part of being the best me that I can be. And definitely on this workshop tour, I've been horrible about it. While I was in Lander, I was actually pretty good, but I need the influence of Annalisa, of my fiance, because she loves to sleep and she can go to bed really early and and then not wake up until really late. So she's really good at it. I suck horribly at it. You know, I don't go to bed, you know, uh, so around here last night, for instance, we we all kind of exited the kitchen from making tacos and eating ice cream and drinking. We eat a lot of ice cream and drink around here, don't we? A lot of burritos. <laughs> a lot of burritos. It's sometimes, all sometimes we it's mix all it with Mexican tacos. then ice cream then beer or it's, Mexican it's then beer. It's been a great clinic cream. tour. <laughs> but anyway, we all exited at, the, at like 12:30 or 1 and I probably didn't go to sleep until 3:30 or 4 Damn. because I worked on music for a little while and I wrote for a little while and you know, I just couldn't, there was no reason for me to go to sleep because I still had energy. That's how I feel. And that's tough for me. So, so I'm trying to get better at that and not being with my fiance right now, that definitely makes it harder because I tend to stay up a lot later without her. So, hmm. so yeah, but that's part of my, you know, rest and recovery that I've recognized. I'm just not doing a very good job right now of keeping that in check. Yeah. So. yeah, I think it's important. I've definitely seen massive benefits when I'm consistent with sleep, hydration, you know, and just all the things you always hear about. But, man, when you're consistent with them, it goes such a long ways. Just, yeah, it, I'm actually surprised I didn't have that on my list now. And it's not a magic bullet. You know, I think that's the tough thing. I think that's why it probably wouldn't show up on most people's lists because mm-hmm. it's not – it's not like a, an obvious payoff. You really have to look at what's going on and say, oh, shit, I'm performing better. How did that happen? Yeah. You know, oh, and it's and, not like, oh, I got one hour or an extra hour of sleep for two days. Uh, suddenly I'm right, 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 know, right, right. crushing it. Yeah, it's got to be a long-term commitment yeah, it's sort like, of oh, thing. I've spent the last two months getting an extra hour of sleep and drinking an extra liter of water a day. Now I feel much better. You know, that's a lot to put into it yeah and it goes in levels you know for me for me i burned the candle at both ends in an extreme fashion you know for more than a decade i probably slept no more than three to four hours per night and and i couldn't keep that up 
And especially when I started training, that wasn't going to work. I tried to make it work for quite a while. And it, you know, it, it seemed okay for a little while. But with my horrible diet I had at the time, with my horrible sleep habits I had at the time, something had to give or I wasn't going to get any stronger or any better or progress my climbing. You know, so I've made small inroads to all of those things. And I've got a long way to go, but I'm making progress. Hmm. That's awesome. Right. Uh, I think we're probably ready for a break. All right. I need, I need another beer refresher here. All right, break. Break! break. What's up, everybody? Chris here. Pardon the interruption. I'll keep this short and sweet. Since this podcast started taking off and we've been growing it, you guys have been asking how you can help out. I've got three ways for you. Number one, you can become a patron. That just means you give a monthly donation to the podcast, a dollar and up, and you get something in return. And you can check out what those rewards are at patreon.com slash powercompanypodcast. Best of all, we'll keep it sponsor and commercial free for you. Number two, you can rate us and review us on iTunes. I know it's a pain in the ass to go to iTunes and do all that, but it really helps us out. At least that's what I'm told by the podcast powers that be. And number three, perhaps the easiest way and the best way to help us out is to share us on your social medias. Anytime you see us post up a new podcast, please share it with your friends. Tag people who will really appreciate it or who need to hear the advice that we're giving. All right. Thank you, guys. And back to the show. Okay. We have returned. This this board meeting is back in session. And uh, I think you're up. Yeah. All right. So my number three, and this one's sort of vague, but for me, it's been really important. And uh, it's been being honest about my own motivations and just what keeps mm. me psyched. This has been one of my biggest investments. And that's, yeah, man, because there's, I don't know. There's some some days I'm just not psyched, and there's some days, like, I don't know. Different things keep me motivated, and I think this is true for everyone. And there was so long that I tried to just stick with, you know, I'd say things that I think other people wanted to hear. Yeah, I was going to say, is it outside pressure that causes you to not be honest about it? Yeah, I mean, this is this goes way beyond climbing as well. This is just life in general. Sure. Like, it's, I don't know, it's easy to just kind of stick to the norms and you know what you're feeling, but ah, it's kind of weird to voice your own opinion. But, uh, yeah, I'd say in the last few years I've started to realize more and more what I wanted or what I actually felt. What's been awesome is, when I, the more open I am about these things where I'm just like, you know what? This is like, I don't care if people think I'm ridiculous for like geeking and by out open, and loving you mean food. open to yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, exactly. Like, I don't know. It's been fun. Like the more open I am about things, like I don't know, the more receptive some people are. Like I've got a buddy who, oh, for sure. me and him just talk yeah. like he's big on climbing, but he is also psyched on Olympic lifting and food. And we just geek out on such a nerd level of food. And it's awesome. Like, it's one of those things where I, you know, I would never really talk with people about, like, cooking and food prep and stuff like that. But, man, it's it's so fun to be able to, like, talk on this level with someone else who's so passionate about it and not afraid of, like, 
I don't know, seeming ridiculous or anything like that for so long. Yeah, I think the easiest way to say it is I feel like I would only say things that I thought other people wanted to hear. Oh, yeah. I th- you know, I think that's a pretty common error. And how old are you right now? Uh, 27. 27, yeah. So you're still you're still super young. That's... I've got so many more mistakes ahead of me. No, no question. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, when I was, you're, you're way, 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 way eons, light years ahead of where I was when I was 27. Which which is super cool to see, um, but definitely when I was twenty seven, I was driven by this strange motivation that was connected to my ego and what you know what everybody else wanted, and it it was definitely destructive, um, <laughs> really destructive. But uh, yeah, I think being able to let go of that is a really mature. Thing and being able to realize that what you're psyched on is okay, like just because the next person isn't psyched on that, it really doesn't mean anything. You know, who cares what they're psyched on? And I think that's the that's the thing we all need to figure out is what what it is that motivates us, what it is that we're excited to do and truly passionate about trying or working on or getting better at. We're putting our time and effort and energy into. And if we don't find those things, you know, that's that's a little sad, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I think it's pretty cool that you're 27 years old and already figuring out that maybe your motivations aren't pure all the time. Because I bet you ask most 27-year-olds and they think their motivations are 100% their own. You know? And I don't think that's the case. Well, don't worry. I'm still fucking up plenty. Well, yeah, I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Spent the last month with you. I I, I know plenty. (laughs) But we all are, you know? And I think that's that's the important thing is that we know we're fucking up and, and we know each other are fucking up. And, you know, the fact that you know you're not 100% right all the time makes it easier for other people around you to not be 100% right all the time. I think that's pretty cool. All right, back uh, to training. <clears throat> man stuff. Mine isn't necessarily training. Oh, either. man. Um, it kind of is, though. So, so what I wrote here is I gave credence to far-fetched dreams, and I took the leap into this as a business. It's a good one. And, and it, sounds, it sounds fairly obvious, I think. For uh, you know, for the the kids of this generation, um, but I'm 41 years old, and I've been saying for a while now that it took me 40 years to get to my 20s, and that's how it feels because when I was a kid, this was not an option. Like making a business or making a living out of something that didn't really exist, just wasn't an option you didn't do that not in this neighborhood not where i grew up you worked in a factory or whatever you had to do to support your family and to support your life and and that was it you know that was your whole existence was support your family and 
And I'm lucky to have a fiance who's amazing and believes in me and a daughter who is stoked to see me, you know, stretch my, my boundaries. And, and I think that's, that's pretty key to being able to do this. And I recognized that I was in a good situation. You know, I had, I had injured my shoulder at work. So workers comp was paying me to sit on the couch and have surgery and go through PT. And I had a great physical therapist who understood that I was a climber. Um, shout out Tammy. And, and so I had the time to sit and really build the idea of making this a business and, and more than a business, making it a community and creating this, you know, this tribe of people who believed in the same ideas that I did. And it was a chance conversation with you at uh, Miguel's one morning. There were free pancakes, if I remember correctly. <laughs> there were free pancakes. You're exactly right. And uh, and then a month or so later, you said, "Hey, I'd like to, you know, maybe take you up on that offer." And and it all started from there. And I think it's you know become a really cool thing already. And it's been it's been a year. You know, it hasn't it hasn't even been a year since I talked to you. It's been just over a year since I officially launched this thing as a business, you know, at the point where we're talking right now, mm -hmm. which, I mean, hell, I've got 20 episodes recorded at this point, so you guys might get this when it's been two years, but <laughs> but you get the gist. We're going to spread these out. <laughs> so it's been just a, you know, I felt like I was going out on a limb. It was scary. Like my, my fiance was in school uh, trying to get her degree and she's going to go back to graduate school for a master's. So we're, we're by no means you know, comfortably supported. Um, so it was scary. Um, and we were moving across the country and my daughter was turning 18 and considering college and what she was going to do. And uh, so scary, scary times, but I... I stuck with my gut feeling that the mural painting that I was doing just wasn't satisfying and it wasn't it wasn't following my passion and and once I followed it it everything just feels a lot better you know and that that really feels like an investment hmm. and and in in a lot of ways so you know I spent a lot of money investing in it I you know, I spent a ton of money on equipment and you know software and products and you know t-shirts and everything you know whatever all these crazy things you need to make this operate i've i've spent a lot of money on those things and i've spent an inordinate amount of time with figuring out how to do it all because i have a a serious problem with control and I have to, you know, I want to be the person who has the artistic vision behind the website and behind the social media and behind, you know, all the logos and the images that you see. And, and I'm not against someone else doing it, but I just can't hand it over. It's fucking hard for me. So I've invested a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of energy. And so far it's paying off because you're here and I'm super stoked for that and all the people listening are here 
and I'm ridiculously excited about that. So, yeah, I think that's a big investment that's really paying off, and I feel good about. That's awesome. So to uh, steal a question from Tim Ferriss, top investment for under one hundred dollars. Top investment for under one hundred dollars. Gosh, I don't even know what I've spent on things. So, um, hmm. do you have one off the top of your head? Rice cooker. Your rice cooker. Yeah, it, that's a twenty-seven-year-old answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things. I, I've got a couple little things like that. Rice cooker definitely is top of my list. You know, I've been thinking about buying a rice cooker. They're so, it's one of those things. Like, it's this. I have this same feeling about an electric tea kettle. Because people for the longest time are like, dude, just get a rice cooker. Like, it'll change your life. I'm like, really? It's a rice cooker. Like, come on. How much, how great could this be? And then I got one. I was like, okay, y'all are right. And I yeah. keep hearing the same thing about an electric tea kettle. And I love tea. And so I'm considering that one as well. But, I'm not uh, buying it with the tea kettle, but um, not mm, yet anyway. But I, I haven't been sold on the rice cooker yet. I'm Though I'm, I'm really close. You got the steamer basket <clears throat> in the top for all your veggies? Yeah, I'm really close. And and I got closer because I hooked up with Scratch Labs and you know they're really into the rice cooker idea and and if you've ever read their you know their books their portables books or you know any of the stuff they put out they're really into the rice cooker so I may end up going that direction especially if I can find a small portable rice cooker that can travel on the road with me since I'm on the road for the next six months or probably the next four months when you guys hear this. Or three or two or something. Sure. <laughs> uh, so under, now, now that we've bought enough time. Under $100. I was talking the whole damn time. I didn't buy anything. Um, best investment for under $100. I would say... Damn, this is a hard one. I've spent so much money on random things that have turned out good um honestly i would say probably this is gonna this is totally a business thing but i would say facebook ads really yeah i've i tried it out i wasn't convinced um but i think if you have content that's good and i think this podcast is good content um, and I promote it right, I think those ads come back in the form of people following and people wanting to hear the next podcast and going back and listening to the old podcasts. And and I think that's been super, super important. And I, and I never spend more than $50 on an ad campaign. Hmm. And I don't know why, it just seems like a round good number. So I'll spend 50 bucks to promote a podcast and it'll reach, you know, 14 or 15,000 people. And, you know, uh, uh, 2,000 of those people might download the podcast. But that's, that's definitely several hundred more people than listened to it before. So I think that's been a really good investment in getting my you know, an hour message out there and just the whole idea that that we're doing something different here. Yeah. Wow. 
All right. And uh, I don't know if you guys have heard this podcast before, but you may know at this point that we don't tweet. We scream like eagles. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 This time the bitch.